Hi and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. We've been looking together at a story in the Bible, and today Stephanie is going to come and read it for us. And we've heard it read a couple of times, so she's going to read it in a different translation today. Different people have taken the original languages of the Bible and then translated it in, in, everyone has different ways, slightly different nuances. So this is from the message today. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem village, Judah territory, this was during Herod's kingship, a band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east. They asked around, Where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth. We're on pilgrimage to worship him. When word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified. And not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. Herod lost no time. He gathered all his priests and and religion scholars in the city together and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? They told him Bethlehem, Judah territory. The prophet Micah wrote it plainly. If you, it's you, Bethlehem, in Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear, from you will be the leader who will shepherd rule, who will shepherd rule my people in Israel. Herod then arranged a secret meeting with the scholars from the east, pretending to be as devout as they were. He got them together to tell them exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. Then he told them the prophecy about Bethlehem and said, Go find this child. Leave no stone unturned. As soon as you find him, send word, and I'll join you at once in your worship. Instructed by the king, they set off. Then the star appeared again, the same star they had seen in the eastern sky. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshipped him. Then they opened their luggage and presented gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Thank you, Stephanie. So as I said, this is our third week in a row looking at the story. For some of you, it's your first week here. And you might wonder why I would spend three weeks next week will be the fourth, talking about this same story. After all, there's lots of good stories in the Bible. And at Christmas, of course, there's a lot of good parts at that story, too. We might think, why would we focus just on this part? For some of us, the visit of the Magi or the wise men uh, may not even seem like your favorite part of the story. It may be overshadowed by other parts of the Christmas story. The singing of choir of angels to shepherds or the infant Jesus who, like those we've heard today, looking for a safe place to live. But this event that happened in history of these magi coming to see Jesus is very significant So significant, in fact, that it actually has its own day this time of year. It is celebrated on January 6th. It's called Epiphany. And January 6th is 12 days after Christmas, which is where we get the idea of the 12 days of Christmas, if you've wondered. Now, if you really want me to blow your mind, Epiphany, January 6th, has been celebrated longer than Christmas. Now, 
you may not realize this, but we don't actually know the exact date Jesus was born. December 25th was chosen in the 4th century as the date that we would remember when Jesus was born. Before that, Jesus' birth and all these things was celebrated January the 6th. Um, Interestingly enough, there are still Christian traditions that have Christmas on January 6th. If you have Orthodox friends and they're like, we're having our Christmas, has that ever happened to you? January 6th, this is where it goes to. But now we actually, many of us in the West, and there's a lot of nuances here. We call it Epiphany. And it's the day when we remember that the wise men came. And while we maybe don't do a lot in our tradition, there's lots of places that do. Like if you lived in Scandinavia, and there's some pictures here, it might look something like this. And you would maybe be part of a group of star carolers, and you would go house to house following a star on a stick to remember that the wise men had come. If you lived in many countries in Europe, on January 6th, you might bake a special cake called a, a Three Kings cake, because uh, tradition started calling them kings. There'd be a crown on top. And in the cake, there'd be baked one bean or like one pea, and whatever kid got the piece of cake with that in it, did anyone celebrate this? You got to be king for the day or queen. Solid tradition. Another tradition which is common is to go into homes and on your, actually not in your home, on your doorpost to write the year. And in the middle of the year, you see it says 2013 there, to write the initials MCCMB, which stands for Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. As tradition went on, it said that these are the names of the three wise men, although we know there were probably more than three likely might not have been. We don't necessarily know their names. But this is to remind us of God's presence with us, to remind us of God being present in our house and being welcome for Jesus, all remembered on Epiphany. But again, we might still say, why does it get its own day? Why is this story so important? Why is the visit of the wise men significant? And the answer is very simple. It's because of who the wise men were. And to explain that, I kind of got to do like a sweeping story of all of this stuff in the Bible. And it goes way back to the beginning when God, we believe, created the world, created humanity to have a relationship with God, created them out of love and with purpose. But we made mistakes and we were separated from God and his perfection. And God said, I will make a way for you to know me. And he came to a man named Abraham thousands of years ago. And he said, you're the one I've chosen. Your descendants are going to be where my great plan is going to start. And here's my promise to you. You, and he was really old, you're going to have, you're going to be father of a great nation. You're going to have a lot of descendants. I'm going to give you a land which will be your land. I will be your God. You will be my people. This is my covenant with you. And through you, all the nations in the world will be blessed. He says exactly in this way in Genesis, I will bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the city of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Now, Abraham did have a lot of descendants. They are the nation of Israel. This is a promise that God kept. 
and God gave them a land, the land of Israel, which of course is still disputed today because people say this is the land God gave us. But after a number of centuries, as they pulled back from God in a series of events, by the time that Jesus came, the land of Israel wasn't theirs anymore. And what had happened was there's lots of superpowers, there's lots of other kingdoms coming in that had taken it over. And by the time Jesus was born, it happened to be Rome that was in charge. So they didn't really own their land. They were still God's people, but there was this land that God had promised them and that they would be their people. And in the Bible, and Jamie referred to these prophets when he spoke before, there were prophets that said God's going to send a Messiah that meant a deliverer, a savior. He's going to save you. He's going to set you free from all your oppression. And so God's people, this nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, were waiting for that plan to be fulfilled and a Messiah. And we believe that that plan was fulfilled when Jesus was born, that he was a descendant of Abraham. He fulfilled all the prophecies. But here is where the story gets interesting. If you had grown up as one of these people, one of the children of Israel or a Jew, you would have said, well, the Messiah is coming to save us, right? We have a relationship with God. We're part of the covenant community. God will come and set us free from our oppressors. And the way the other people are involved would be God will, hopefully God will vindicate us against how some of the ways they've oppressed us. And this is where the story gets interesting because the Magi were not Jewish. They were not part of this covenant community. I've explained who the Magi we think they were in other sermons, but we believe they came probably likely from somewhere around Persia. They, had, uh, they were part of like a caste of people. In the version Stephanie read, it said a group of scholars. They were known for studying astrology, astronomy, medicine, very smart. And we believe a few centuries before when God's people had been in exile in that part of the world that they had likely learned this prophecy about a star that when a star came, it meant the king of the Jews was born. And so these magi see this star. They're like, that means the king of the Jews was born. And they go to find him. And this is so interesting that God would show this star to these people who weren't in the story, to these people who weren't part of the covenant community. And God uses this star to guide them to himself, and they get to Jesus, and they worship him. This is genuinely like a TSN turning point in this story. Everything has shifted in God's story now, but it was God's plan all along. Remember what he said to Abraham? And through your offspring, all nations on earth would be blessed. This is the start of the all nations. God's plan all along had been to open the story up. And in this moment, the story gets bigger. God's trajectory that had always been on the horizon had come true. And we see that it starts with the Magi, the Magi who come and worship Jesus. This is so significant. Remember, Jewish people weren't even supposed to talk to Gentiles or eat with them. They weren't supposed to go in their house. They weren't supposed to have them in the house. And it says that they went in the house and gave him presents. And now they're part of the story. When Jesus grows up, he begins to embody this in such intentional ways. When you read the parts of the Bible that talk about Jesus' life, this is what made people most angry about how Jesus lived. The religious leaders found it very upsetting who Jesus was including in his life. They get mad because of who he eats with. 
They get mad because of who he talks to, because he's sending this message with his life every day that everyone can be part of the great story of God, that the story's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. In another part of the Bible, after Jesus has died, risen again, gone back to heaven, there's a man named Paul, and he's writing a letter to a church, and he's trying to explain to them how significant this is. And he says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, you will be able to understand my insight into mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. So hear this? He's like, I got this big mystery to tell you. It's been revealed. We're seeing something new about God. And here it is. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, that was their word for people who weren't Jewish, are heirs together with Israel, memories together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. This was a huge deal. This wasn't how they saw the story going. They didn't understand that this is what it meant when he said, through, through you, through my descendant, through Jesus, the descendant of Abraham, all the nations will be blessed because they're now part of the story. And it starts with the Magi. And that's why there's a whole day to remember it on January 6th. What Christians call this isn't just a celebration of some cool-looking dudes that showed up with really interesting presents. It's them saying, this is what we theologically call the beginning of the Gentile inclusion. Or to put it simply, when everyone gets to be part of the story. They always did, but now we see it clearly. That's why it's so beautiful when the angels come. And some of you know the story on Christmas night when they come and it says these angels speak to these shepherds. And they say, we bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. All people. And the reason I want to talk about this again today is to remind you that all people includes you. It includes you. We've been talking in this series, we've called it See the Star. And what we've talked about each week is that sometimes there's things that keep us from seeing God's light, right? The world can feel dark. Our lives can feel heavy. There can be things that block the light from us. We're using this imagery of a star as an analogy for how we long to see God's light. And today I want to acknowledge that one of the ways we can struggle to see the light, that we can sometimes find it difficult to see that star and follow it, is that we may actually think that the light isn't really put there for us, that it really is for somebody else, that we don't actually have the, the ability or the background or the same blessing to see it as others do. And there might be lots of reasons we struggle with this. I want to talk about a couple. Sometimes we might say, well, you know, I didn't grow up in this story. I don't know all the stuff all you know. Like you make jokes and I'm like, eh, I don't get it, I don't get it, and I don't know this Bible stuff. You feel a little bit out of place with the references. Maybe you feel like other people get things better than you do. And maybe you think, maybe if I'd started sooner... This would feel more like my story. But I want to tell you that the coming of the wise men reminds us that it is never too late to become part of the kingdom. God's story is never late. 
When I was uh, about 12, a friend of mine had a birthday party. Her name was Debbie. And I was so excited about this party. I remember this vividly. It was a Saturday afternoon, and it started at 4 o'clock. And I remember sitting there, just looking at the clock, waiting for this party to start. I'd gotten dressed. I was wearing a nice outfit. I couldn't wait to go. Finally, at like 20 to 4, I'm like, let's go. My mom brings me over to Debbie's house, and I walk in, and I hear all this noise from the basement. There's music playing. They're singing along. And her mom says, oh, why are you so late? The party had ended at 4, not started at 4. I know, and my little 12-year-old self was so, I still, this is why I remember it. I remember being just so sad and upset. And you know what Mrs. Martin did? Debbie's mom, who I knew for a long time, she says, oh, Leanne, don't worry. You just stay a little longer. And what she did, bless, have you ever thrown a girl's birthday party for 12-year-olds, and then you're like, oh, everyone else is going home, you just stay a bit longer? And I talked a lot, and so basically... (laughs) I remember having dinner with the Martins and chatting with them. So she has me for dinner. She does this, like, extra party stuff. And she let the party continue. And, you know, in that story, the story of the wise men, I think Mrs. Martin is like God in that story. That you're never too late for the party. The difference, where the, sil- where the illustration falls apart is that the story just continued. The party would have continued, right? No one would have gone home. You're never too late. There's always room for more party. In the Bible, Jesus tells a story just like that. He says, I want to tell you about a man who was working in a vineyard, and he went and he found some hired help. And there'd be a group, much like today, there'd be a group of people waiting for work. He goes, he finds some man, he says, you come work for me, I'll give you one denarii. And they go and work, and then he needs someone else. A bit later, a few hours later, he goes and gets some more. Come work for me. They come. Then a few hours later, he goes and gets some more. And at the end of the story, it says that he goes and he pays everyone one denarius. He says, here you go. And some of them are like, but we worked all day, and they only worked a short time. Like, what's the deal? And Jesus says, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Right? He says, it doesn't matter when you join. We all get to be part of the party. Sometimes this is a struggle for us. But God's story is always moving forward. And has always had a trajectory hoping to include us all. Sometimes we might think that we can't see the star because there's been so much going on in our lives that somehow there's too much darkness in us for us to see the light outside of us. We've done too much. Our lives have been too much of a mess. We've made too many mistakes. And it's not just people who didn't grow up in Christian circles who think this. I talk to Christians who seem to live absolutely wonderful lives, who say there's something in them that just makes them unworthy. They're not good enough. Maybe if they were more like this person or that person, they would hear God more. It's true. Our motto as a church is come just as you are. Sometimes we put it on our sign. And I think our desire with that sign is for it to work kind of like that star of Bethlehem, right? That you'd walk by and you'd see come just as you are. You can be part of these things, just like wise men who saw a star and kept following. The wise men coming again remind us that no matter what may feel dark in our lives, there is space. God reaches out. God calls out to unlikely people. God calls out to all of us. And God can speak to us in the darkest places. I've told this story in the past, but I think some stories are worth retelling because this is my favorite hamper story. 
So some of you have heard that we uh, have a tradition here at Mount Hamilton of giving out food hampers. And we've actually done that for many years. I've been here 14 years. And this would have been just a year or two into this hamper ministry. And at the time, it was much different, much less, much, uh, much, much, uh, less involved. We would only do 20 or 30 hampers. Teresa Elliott uh, helped coordinate it. And we kind of just did it under the radar. A few of us would uh, get some food. And we'd also do gifts for people. And we would do gifts for single women, especially if we knew they were on their own or families that we knew had a need. There was a family that I knew had some need that Christmas. I knew there was a lot going on in their lives. She didn't come to church. I had met with her at one point, and she said, my life is such a mess, and I can't go to church because I don't have nice enough clothes to wear, which is interesting. So we're getting these hampers packed, and we're getting ready to bring a hamper to this woman's house. And we're looking at the gifts we've bought to give to not just women, but anyone who's on their own that might not get a gift. And so we have like scarves and mittens and candles. And this woman says, I know this is weird, but I have this pair of pajamas. They're brand new. There's still tags on. I don't know if you want to give them out. And the pajamas were covered with Betty Boop. Do you know who Betty Boop is? I know. So we're looking at these pajamas, right? She's a little risque, right? So she's got kind of a tight dress. And we're like, Betty Boop pajamas. Hey, well, that is... That's an interesting church gift. So we're looking at these pajamas. And I say, you know, I've got a funny feeling. I know this woman. Let's wrap them up and put them with this hamper for this particular woman. And uh, I say, you know, she's got a good sense of humor. And, you know, it's nice to get pajamas at Christmas, right? They were the right size. So a few days later, we get, I'm still a little like, ooh, risky, but we'll see how it goes. A few days later, I get this call from her. And I still remember this. It, I was just like, God, well done. And she phones and she says, you know, thank you for the hamper. And she says, how did you know I collect Betty Boop? <laughs> That's pretty impressive, right? I said, we didn't. She collected Betty Boop things. She's like, yeah, I have like plate and I have like, that's what people give me. We had one pair of random Betty Boop pajamas. And, you know, sometimes God sends us stars, and sometimes he sends us sign, and sometimes he sends us Mrs. Martin, and sometimes he sends us Betty Boop pajamas to say, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't missed you. I see you. I send you stars that you have not been forgotten. And God sends them to unlikely people. Even people who are like, I couldn't go in church because I don't have the right clothes. Or people who are like, oh, I'm from another country. We're not even supposed to worship this God. And he says, you can come to me. And I want to say, you might feel today like there are things that should keep you from seeing the star. Maybe you don't really belong. You're not in the story. You don't know enough. You don't understand enough. You've been out too long. Or you've been in so long, but you haven't seemed to quite figure it out. You still belong. That's the story of Christmas. That's the story of the Magi coming and God's saying, look at how big this story is going to get. Maybe you grew up going to Christmas events with family where they'd have a kid's table. Anybody? Do you remember the magical moment when someone would say, you can join the adult table? Wasn't that a good moment? It's like you're not at the kid's table anymore. You can join the adult table. Well, as you think about this, this is what I want to tell you that the Christmas story reminds us. There's only one table, and you're all invited. We're not separated. And what God does is he invites us in, and he invites us in, and he invites us in. And the table gets bigger and bigger, and you just set more places and more places and more places, and the party keeps going. And that's what I want you to picture this morning. 
I want you to picture God saying to you, come and sit at the table with me. You're invited. You're invited. I care enough to put stars in the sky. You're invited. Come and sit. I want you to picture those dark places around you where it feels dark and where you're not sure if God's care. You don't know if you understand. You don't know if you belong. You don't know if it makes sense. And God says, I will put stars in the sky for you to see. Take a step one after the other. I want you to hear the voice that the shepherds heard of the angels that says, I bring you good news that will be for all people. And all includes you. We can see the star.